WrestlePlug 444 Life. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to hashtag get plugged in. The refreshing, empowering moment that we have all wanted from WWE. It's like ordering a, a medium pizza and then turning up with an extra large and a bottle of Coke. What happens is these fucking people live in this fantasy land. Everyone got their shit in, everyone got each other over, everyone looked good, and made the industry look great. Nutapal oh. wrestling talent. I'm a true champion. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to the WrestlePlug podcast. It is a brand new year, and with a brand new year, that means brand new guests. And I can't think of anybody I'd like to kick off 2021 more <laughs> than with one half of the Flying Aces and one of the standout stars of the Southeast Division of BritRest. That is, of course, Ethan Lee. Oh, Ethan's not here, so we got Aaron Cruz instead. Aaron, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> hello, hello. Great to be here. Thank you for having me on. Finally, after about <laughs> four attempts, Aaron Cruz, my training partner and long-time tag team devoid of partner, has joined the Wrestle Plug. So, Aaron Cruz, it has been a tumultuous time for BritRest in many ways. Let's start with a question I ask everybody when they come on the podcast during a pandemic. How is it being a wrestler but not being able to train, not being able to perform? What's that feel like from a mental capacity? I mean, for me personally, it's awful because um, I, I, as you know, wrestling quickly become my life. I, I adore it. So not having that there as a release of any emotions or being able to just do the thing I love does really suck. And I can't wait to get back in the ring and actually properly get back to training. Yeah, yeah, because obviously you had your match. And then I think, what, a couple of weeks later, we had a pandemic. So, yeah. 10 months, to be precise, uh, coming on a year. But that's still a long time to go without wrestling when you consider how many matches, how much time and effort goes into not only performing, but also the training aspect of things. How has training been as well? Because it's been interrupted a lot. We've had lockdowns, then we've come out of lockdowns. We've had a tier system, which hasn't worked out for a lot of people. How has that stunted your training? Or have you been able to adapt training at home? I mean, I, don't, I haven't personally been able to adapt as well as I'd, I'd like to have been. Uh, I don't have the means of getting the equipment in. I've not got enough space to get the equipment, like gym equipment in. So that that kind of sucks. But like, I've been trying to keep up with the cardio and doing deca cardio um, and a few other bits that I've seen other wrestlers putting up. Um, and as you say, the wrestling got interrupted quite a bit because we just got back after the first lockdown. I was training with quality, doing the um, wrestle fit stuff, which um, is their basic their circuits, their cardio. Um, and that's all social distance. We were able to do that. No one was like grabbing all of each other. No one was actually wrestling. It was just purely in ring fitness. Um, that that was great. That that really helped a lot. At least get me through the um, through the time period where I couldn't see anyone, couldn't wrestle. But then that got taken away when the tier system got introduced because obviously where we were haven't got moved into a tier three. Couldn't do it anymore. Um, so that that kind of sucks. I did manage to squeeze in a, a, a like higher session. They call it. So it was just me in the academy, um, 
and it got got a few moves like getting back get getting back to it, thinking this is going to be good, and then has there been a kind of downslide to that where you've had so much time out of the ring away from things because you know as I keep reiterating on this podcast, most independent wrestlers have a job. This is not their full-time job. Most people don't make much money, if at all, from wrestling. It truly has to be a passion. So have you lost any passion to be a full-time wrestler? Has this lockdown... Because I've seen a lot of wrestlers, obviously a lot more of these wrestlers that I'm going to discuss, guys like... um, you know, guys like RJ Singh, there have been other guys as well who have kind of taken to social media. Senza Volta was another guy who said that, although I love wrestling, I haven't missed it that much because I've had an opportunity to work on myself. But obviously, you're only 18. You're at the start of your career. So it feels like you haven't had an opportunity to express yourself the way you want to. Um, but being obviously an apprentice, working pretty much full time alongside training to be a wrestler, has there been an inkling of, do you know what? this has made me realize that wrestling isn't as important or is it more a case of I'm more hungry because there hasn't been the time there. For me, obviously we we've spoken privately about stuff, stuff like that. And for me, it's, it's, if anything, lit a fire under my ass to try and get me, it's, it's made me realize that I want this more and more every day that I'm outside of the ring. Hmm. So, um, yeah, yeah. Sort of the answer is it's made me just made me more hungry. Really. I've not, it's a case of I've missed it dearly and i need to get back in there fair um well moving 2020 aside obviously because that's a depressing subject in its own way (laughs) um let's talk about 2021 but before we do that i also want to kind of delve in because most people watching this want to know what it's like being an 18 year old because most of the people we've interviewed have been older obviously we've had a couple of exceptions echo reed being one of them who's already on her way to being a huge star but for you um You've only been training for the best part of, I'd say, two years. Um, yeah. And obviously that's on and off a little bit because of the pandemic and things like that. But you got your start going down to Rev Pro. Let's let's go right back to when Aaron Cruz is a wee nipper, even more wee than he is right now. And let's talk about what brought you into wrestling. What's the first bit of wrestling you saw? What's the first thing that makes Aaron Cruz think, that's what I want to do. I want to be that. I want to be a professional wrestler. So for me, I know I know a lot of cases that I've heard a lot of interviews and a lot of people speak of like Shawn Michaels and Undertaker and seeing matches like that and going, that hooked me. For me, it was just a random episode of Superstars on Sky One. It was Jack Swagger versus Evan Bourne. And I was like, him, I like Evan Bourne. He's, he, he's good. Not your namesake, <laughs> and... Jack Swagger. <laughs> <laughs> no, not, not Jack. I, I, love I love Jack, Jack Swagger. No love for uh, Jake Hager, man. No love. Yeah, yeah I, I obviously I know when I'm asking these questions, I kind of know, but I know how passionate you are about, about um, Matt Seidel. Uh, Matt Seidel's still going. It's really weird, actually, because when I first saw Matt Seidel, that was many, many, many moons ago, and he still looks young, still looks fresh, still at the height of his game, wrestling for AEW at the moment, which is obviously a big deal. How much of your style has been adapted? You, would you say that he has been very inspirational in how you wrestle as well? Or is it just a case of, I like that guy, he's high-flying, but I want to create my own style of wrestling and I haven't really adapted too much with Matt Seidel? Because it is quite easy for young wrestlers to watch TV and then go on the training and be like, oh, I saw this wicked 640 cow flip, you know, or whatever it might be and think, oh, I want to do that. So is it difficult being a young guy and not, you know, trying to curtail yourself and not just basically rinse Matt Seidel's moveset, which ultimately is quite important. <laughs> impressive 
for me it was a case of when I when I first started training I was I want to be like Matt Sydal I want to be like um the high flyers that that was I was in my head it was smaller guy high flying flips that's what I need to do but as I as I started to progress more and more with with training I realized that wasn't so much my forte mm. I I I still like to do like I I haven't done one in a match yet, but I've been, I've worked on suicide dives. I love doing them; they're quite fun. I do frog splashes from the top rope. I do. Well, I'm trying to learn to do a swanton, but like I, I love flippy stuff a, a lot. Um, so that sort of drew me drew me into Matt Seidel. But I think the thing that I took away most from watching his matches was his selling, the way the way he takes the moves, and makes the other guys look like a million dollars. Like that's what I took away from it, and that's what's really inspired me in terms of how I wrestle. When it comes to Matt Sodell. Fast forward to being 15, 16 years old, that first training session going down to Revolution Pro Wrestling in Portsmouth, which is obviously a very prestigious company, very prestigious area to train. I believe at the time you would have had Dan McGee and Rishi Ghosh as trainers before Rishi obviously moved on and opened his own school. Um, take us back to that first session. Young, impressionable man. Obviously, you're a beautiful young man. You look very confident. Everybody, you know, all the ladies go crazy for Cruz. Um, but, you know, what people may not realize about you is that you've had to overcome a lot of struggles with things like anxiety and depression and things like that. And you've been very open and powerful and honest about that and far ahead of your years, considering your age. So what's it like the first few weeks coming in there? Was it an easy process for you? Or is it down to just the brilliance of Dan McGee and Rishi Ghosh who make people so comfortable when they initially train them? For, a, for my case, like, oh, well, for lack of a better term, like, I was shitting myself. Like the first session, I, I really, really struggled um, sort of just, just trying to get my mind there. Because it's something I've always wanted to do, but so I, sometimes you've got the mental barriers that just make it, I was so nervous. And then when I walked in and it was... Um, George, who we know, um, was the first guy who came up to me, shook my hand, and made me feel welcome there. Uh, I also met um, Cam and um, Isaac Freider, who we are quite good mates with as well. I met them on my first session, um, and then I went and spoke to Rishi, who I had for my as my um, first trainer. And so all my nerves sort of just went away after I'd introduced myself to everyone and realised it was it, I'm sort of being welcomed in with open arms. It felt like, especially on the beginner sessions. So. Um, yeah, that, that made me feel a lot better about it. How long does it take before you think I'm all right at this? Like I, I can handle it because obviously everybody has a different learning curve. Some people walk in and within a couple of months they're having matches. Other people it takes a long time. Mark Haskins is a very good example of that a guy who spent a very long time before he got his debut. And you look at how good a wrestler he is as well. You would think a guy like that would get opportunities pretty early doors but he's a guy who grafted away um another guy who's a good example of that is Zach Gibson somebody who grafted really hard to get his opportunities uh obviously for a lot of people myself included going to Revolution Pro Wrestling almost gives you kind of a, a jump on a lot of your competitors it, all of a sudden you're at a place with a reputation that's well known that's churned out an incredible amount of talent not only that has an incredibly strong company of its own that has a working relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling so for you straight in the door how is it you know it's kind of a, a threefold question really coming back to the initial question when do you first think i'm okay at this also 
knowing that obviously Rev Pro is kind of behind you at the time, what's the ultimate goal at that point? Did you have a particular goal in mind when you walked in the door? Did you think, right, within two or three years, I want to be smacking Okada around the ring? Or do I want my dream match against Matt Seidel? Or do I just want to slap Cameron Anderson around because there's a little bit of hidden beef going on there? <laughs> I mean, um, for me, it was a case when I, when I first walked in, it was definitely... I. I, I had next to no knowledge of independent wrestling at, up to that point. Like I just really watched WWE. I'd seen a little bit of TNA um, on, I think it was on challenge at the time on Freeview. Mm. Um, and I was watching a bit of that and I, th I thought, right, let's give it a go. And when I ended up speaking to a few of the boys there, I realized the connection with new Japan. I started watching new Japan and quickly within like the first month or so of being down there, I was like, my, my the only thing I was thinking about was having that first match. I, all I wanted was to get a first match, get that done. And long term, I was thinking, oh, I'd love to go to New Japan. And so it was it was quite lovely being down there, actually. And a lot of everyone was so helpful, especially Dan McGee and Rishi. They were they were brilliant. The um obviously I'm not here for politics and stuff like that, but obviously after a while, uh, Rishi Ghost decided that he wanted to branch out, become more of an independent operator. He opens up quality wrestling, which is just as local actually which is good so now all of a sudden you've got two incredible places to train um obviously some people chose to stay at certain places loyalty is obviously a big talking point in wrestling not really interested in delving into that because you're 18 years old for fuck's sake you should be able to craft your own path um but obviously you had an opportunity to train a rev pro you then sort of branched out moved over to quality uh, and also worked there as well how has the transition of that been? Because um, I know that you're somebody who still has a lot of passion for training a Rev Pro later down the line. You're somebody who ultimately any wrestler that's worth his salt should know by this point that you don't become a star by training in one place. You know, you move around. You were Echo Reed again. I've mentioned her before. She's been on this podcast. She talked about going to WAW. You know, when you're 18 years old and you're already going up north or to the Midlands or wherever it may be to train with recognized names like the Knight family and things like that, that obviously is going to give you a good standing. You need to get your face out there, especially when you're young. This is an opportunity for you to build a business brand for your own, you know, for your own kind of, well, for your own brand. This is your opportunity to show off to the world who you can be going forward. Um, take us to that little fast forward, going into quality. What's it like? The sort of gap, the bridge there, do you feel like quality is a different kind of training for you? So for me, it was a case of uh, I quality normally do their sessions well before the pandemic was on a Tuesday and a Saturday. Mm. And then they've obviously branched out and they've done some on Thursdays and Wednesdays now as well. But um, for me, when it first started, I was going to both. I was going to Ref Pro and quality. I personally hold the same belief as you that you can't, you can't be any good unless you go and train in multiple different places. Everyone wrestles differently. The more places you train, the more styles you're going to incorporate into your own or learn about and how to work with. So that, that's always been my belief. But um, for me, it wasn't a case of, oh, I don't want to train at Rev Pro anymore. It was all, it was more, I'll come back from work on a Monday and I'll be, I'll be done. Like I, I couldn't physically get down there on a Monday. So it almost became a case of, right, I'm going to go quality because that's an easier option for me at the time and I've quickly um, become really good friends with everyone down there it's it's real really like a family down quality and I, I love it down there uh, I would I would be more than willing to go to Rev Pro again but it's more the case they do their advanced sessions on a Wednesday and I, I still don't have the confidence in myself to think that I can do that mm. I still feel like for at least from what I've been told that they're quite 
um, quite high level and I'm thinking oh, I'm not quite there yet but when I get to that level and I'm confident enough in myself I will be making an appearance back there hopefully if they if they let me back <laughs> um, fast forward from training that first opportunity that first ever match take us through the process of that who was your first ever match against and obviously don't lie to the audience because I know exactly what your first match was yeah. my first match was a gauntlet match against Eddie Kenway for the CWP is it is his no limits in it or is it the no heavyweight limits no limits championship a title opportunity straight out the door obviously uh Cruz has got his foot in the right door well, I mean 15 seconds in and I'm back out the door but still it was um you, it was a great experience I watched that from the balcony um and the crowd popped for you they liked the look of you obviously uh What's it like? Obviously, you're 18. You still live at home. The parents come to watch you wrestle. How's the support system been? Some people talk about how amazing their parents are. Other wrestlers talk about how you know, their parents aren't particularly fans of wrestling. My parents are a good example of that, or at least my mother hates wrestling, thinks it's the stupidest thing on earth. Um, I know your mum and dad are very career orientated and want you to have a good life. And I think ultimately that's what parents should be doing. That's a good job on their behalf. But how have they taken to wrestling? Have they got used to their young, handsome son charging around, getting smashed over the head by gigantic berserkers and getting larrieded around by fat men like myself? Or, have, uh, or are they still a little bit like, oh God? Uh, I think they're still a little bit, oh God, they're, they're not, wrestling fans they've never really my dad used to watch it when he was down at the pub every now and again but like he's he's not really a massive fan of it um he doesn't mind the comedy stuff like he loves grado and um martin kirby when martin kirby used to um still wrestle he he loved those two um and my mum wasn't it's never really been a fan still isn't but uh something that will stick with me i remember going to the uh when i was on the cwp show and Mm. um my parents came and watched me and they announced me being from southampton Whereas I'm from Fair and Portchester, so Portsmouth they really. Want, they don't want to pluck a young face getting booed first of all. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. You can't do that. But uh, I, I hear my dad when they've got their recording it for me. Um, I hear my dad shout, he's not from here, he's from Portsmouth. Like, oh, God. Very here we go. Very I'm surprised, surprised I wasn't booed out of the building at that point. But um, yeah, no, was, they, they've been really, really lovely, actually, um, taking me down. They don't, they don't have to, but they um, dropped me down. Obviously, this pandemic still stopped me from learning to drive, which is a bit of a frustration. Um, so they've been dropping me down to the uh, training sessions, which I didn't have to do. They've taken to me, me to loads of shows. And so I, I can't thank them enough. They've been really good, even if it isn't ultimately what they imagined for me. It's still something that I, I'm really grateful that they've sort of gone with. You get the debut out of the way. Eddie Kenway, great lad, lovely guy. Um, hopefully lovely. a future tag team partner of mine, fingers crossed. And then all of a sudden the Flying Aces will be out of business. Like that. <laughs> and they shall be grounded. See what I've done there? Debut against Eddie Kenway out of the way. That must be a thrilling experience. Like you say, 15 seconds, but it's lovely. You know, you've got Sky Smithson backstage. And I remember Sky, you know, what a wonderful human being. Like I, I love Sky Smithson. And anyone who's worked with CWP will know Sky. She offers so much time to people. This is a woman who has wrestled, you know, arguably all over the world she's wrestled for eve (laughs) we're talking about one of the best women's wrestlers in the world and definitely in europe and there she is offering advice being kind to people saying you know you've done a good job got what you want from it but obviously you know that's that's kind of a, a launching point it's nice for you to get out there 
Uh, and then all of a sudden quality affords the showcase opportunity. And that's where you get for me, the first flashpoint of Cruz's career for me, the big kind of thing where you think, aha, all of a sudden we have a star on our hands. Although obviously I've been, you know, banging on about how good you are pretty much since day one, because that's what mates do, isn't it? They look after their friends. And ultimately I don't just blow smoke up your ass. I do think you are genuinely the future of this business. I see you wrestle Carl Atlas, who is incredible. One of the best, um, I would argue one of the most underrated wrestlers in the world. Phenomenal. Um, you get to wrestle Carl Atlas, and it's a fucking great match. You know, let's not beat around a bush here. It's it's the best match of the night. Um, for me, by some margin, in terms of how it entertains, the psychology of it. And also, you can see, from my perspective, as a kind of, you know, pseudo wrestler, I see you, and I see what Carl does for you in the ring. Um, the ability to sell, but also make a star out of you, make you look like this kind of plucky underdog. Um, how is that experience? And also how important do you think that match is going to be later down the line? I imagine that's a match that 10, 15 years later on, you're going to be like, that match with Carl Atlas. That kind of gave me a real footing in what it's like to wrestle against a top quality opponent and work a top quality match. Yeah, I mean, that's that match is going to be something that I will remember for the rest of my life. Um, I remember being backstage because we we found out earlier we were opening the uh, or opening the uh, showcase, and I remember being backstage and speaking to Carl. And we sort of were like fifteen minutes before we went out, we sort of just talked it through. And that's just how brilliant Carl is. He's got such a a, a great mind for wrestling. I admire him so much um, because of that. It, like you hear the phrase, you wrestle a broom and it, it would make it look good. Like that's Carl. He's, he's so good. Um, and I learned so much from just being in the ring with him in terms of psychology um, and how to make someone else look good. Cause uh, I, I admit it's not my best performance personally, like, I, like in terms of uh, like my facials or, or how I actually wrestled in the ring. I've, I feel like I've definitely gone better as time's gone on, but that's mainly down to that match with Carl. Cause I'd never have learned anything if I wasn't in the ring with him. That's also um, your um, first match, proper match, isn't it? Like with all due respect to Eddie Kenway, you know, that match was set up as a squash to, you know, get him over as a monster more. So this was your first opportunity to express yourself properly, have a move set and genuinely show off to the crowd what you can do. Hence showcase. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I remember speaking with Carl backstage. And it's when this is when I thought, Christ, he's he's just got it, you know, what I mean his brain's just there. Because we were talking about it and he was just like, right, so obviously. I'm the bigger guy. You're going to want to work me down, aren't you? So you're going to be more submission based, which is what I was at the, during that build up of practicing my submissions and my tech. Because so I, I love um, tech based wrestling. And I've got a love for Zack Sabre Jr. I think he's amazing. So I, I worked. <laughs> I love the I avant-garde tribute to Zack Sabre Jr., mate. Especially if I know uh, for a fact that Mad Kurt taught you a thing or two about technical wrestling. It, you. He will come for you. I'll tag him. <laughs> Oh uh, no, I love Maka. He, he was he was great when we when we did the training with him. He, he was really really great. Um, so yeah, like Carl was just we, we just went through it, and uh, and you can see me throughout the match going and targeting his arm, trying to set up for a Kimura or, or like an armbar, trying to trying to just wear him down. And it, it was the sort of the double edged sort of thing. Because I'm thinking, right, so of course I'm trying to work him down because I can't overpower him. But at the same time, when I'm working him down, it's stopping him from being able to do the big power moves because his arm's gone. So that's just where his his mind shines for wrestling. He's just such a good storyteller. 
yeah psychologically um superior and also though i haven't actually had an opportunity to say this on a podcast i don't know if carla watched this but for me carl atlas is kind of like the powerhouse's answer to daniel bryan in a lot of ways like he's just got a great mind for wrestling he what for me the real ultimate tribute that i can give to a wrestler is how well do you elevate other talents because anyone can if they've had enough training get like i'm a good example of that anyone can get in the ring and actually have a passable match over time if they work hard enough even i've done that but not everybody can get in the ring and elevate talent make them better uh make sure that coming out of that as well because what i love about this match and why i harp on about it so much is that Coming out of that match, Aaron Cruz doesn't drop off. Aaron Cruz doesn't think, oh, okay, well, you know, that was fun. Wasn't that fun, everyone? And, you know, and we'll go back to training and I'll see you in a year or whatever. No, actually, there was clearly a progression. There was more hunger. There was more passion. Your ambition, your attitude got even better. From the get-go, even when I first met you, when you were essentially a kid, I'm thinking, fucking kid's so mature for his age. Like, I wish I'd had that fucking head on me when I was that age. Like, I was a dumb fuck still am to a lot of people but what's great is that you've seen that progression over the last couple of years becoming even more so a man that maturity and not allowing some of the more negative aspects of wrestling which we've seen to affect you as an individual what i love about you is you've always kept a good and obviously you know people like myself and cam and i was going to try and keep you on the the good route and slap you if you fucking stray off too much but we look after you you know you're a little brother to us all and Obviously, coming out of the Carl Atlas match, I think where it really became apparent that you were going to be a star in a lot of people's eyes outside of obviously your close network is when you have that tag team match. You know, it's this is a match that I know you love so much, you're so passionate about. You're also very blessed. What I love about it is that you've got great memories from it. You had a professional photographer on site in Ali Sandler, you know, one of the best, and I believe ringside perspective. And he's there, and obviously, you know, having him there working for such a prestigious company like you did getting to tag with a good friend like Ethan Lee someone you've trained with and also having a really solid good looking gimmick thanks to Steve obviously the kind of I think he's the owner um yeah and obviously Booker as well promoter so to speak uh you know here comes the flying aces now the gimmick of course is two whippersnappers with bomber jackets on flying around the ring it works it's this is where I argue wrestling doesn't always have to be so convoluted. This is so easy. Two good looking lads, put them in bomber jackets, let them fly around coming out to top gun. Now, before we talk about this incredible match, I know for a fact that you hadn't watched top gun before this gimmick, Mr. No, until recently. So (laughs) now quick little side note while we're here, I love to run off on a tangent. What do we think of top gun? The first movie, are we a fan now of top gun? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I really, really enjoy it. Are you a goose or a maverick? Well, I want to say maverick. <laughs> That's fair. Um, so what you're involved I, I do need... in is definitely the goose. Do you do the... I was just going to say, yeah, we need to do that. We Come need on. to do That's that. That's money. We it's need so to simple. Do that. Hey, we didn't do it on the first entrance, but we've got to do it on the next one if we get another go. That's definitely, we've got to get that done. As Quentin Tarantino says, the greatest artist steal everything that is ever good in this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, Robert, that's all I've got to say. 
talk to us about that match. You get to wrestle Rishi Ghosh, who, of course, is pretty much the biggest reason why you're so passionate about wrestling and why you are a wrestler at this point. And you also get to wrestle the hard-hitting son of a gun that is Malik. Big personal fan myself, obviously, with Malik having, obviously, that sort of mixed-race background like myself, somebody I look up to a lot. Um, what's that like? You're in the ring with two high-quality professionals. You're in there with your friend. And also, it's a really professional surrounding. Good crowd, hot crowd, very vocal, very excited about it. You've got a gimmick. You've got a look. You've got your professional gear on. You look like everybody's cup of tea. This is what professional wrestlers should look like. And you're well received by the crowd as well. The crowd will really be behind you. Who's not going to be behind two guys who come out to Top Gun? Come on. It's... <laughs> So what's it like being in the danger zone with Manic and Rishi Ghosh, mate? Uh, I mean, so the whole backstory behind the match was, so it was originally going to be Malik and Rishi versus um, the British Bruisers, um, Danny Williams and Samuel Jacobs. Right. But, I, oh, brilliant. Uh, but I believe Danny Williams was injured just before the uh, match. Um, I think he dislocated his shoulder. But uh, so that put the um, them out of action pretty much from the uh, from the tag team match. So we got put in. We were only going to be in the rumble match. Uh, sort of just the all oh, these guys are here. But uh, we we got swooped into there. And when I found out I was facing Malik, who I'd just seen on Progress and stuff like that, I, I was trying not to mark it out. I, when I when I got that message through from Steve, I was I was really hyped up about the match. And to go back to go backstage with um, someone like Malik and Rishi and just talk it through again, like you learn just so much just from talking through and just being in the ring with them, just being able to go on the fly and in certain aspects we did a little bit in the matches where it was um, it was sort of off the cuff. We we hadn't sort of talked about it, uh, and that I learned so much from just that experience. Uh, so yeah, that again, that's another thing that I'll, I'll never forget. Like just being able to go in a ring with someone like like Malik and like Rishi who are at the top of their game. So, Tell me about the mental side of things as well. So after the match, getting opportunities, photo opportunities with fans, you know, that's um, something that I personally haven't had, well, you know, a couple of people after won that Royal Rumble, which was nice, but ultimately it's not something that I'm, obviously, you know, I'm not nearly as approachable as you are, to be fair. Um, <laughs> a little bit more, slightly more intimidating, some people might say. Um, but ultimately, having an opportunity to, and obviously that's an opportunity that's been afforded to you, thanks to Steve and his company, you know, fans getting in the ring, photo ops are so important because although we are kind of perceived as superheroes we should be relatable and we should be people that fans can approach and respect which is why 2020 was you know such a hard pill to swallow for so many people but you know before we sort of I don't know depress people slightly obviously with some opinions uh, tell me what it's like meeting fans for that first time getting those first photo opportunities how does that feel like because all of a sudden you're now the superhero that you know you wanted to be Oh, it's got to be the uh, the proudest moment of my life, really. It, it has to be like just when we were about to ride the ring, we had no idea about it, and we got stopped just as we were going out of the ring and told to stay in the ring. This is this is what's happening, and um, me and Ethan, I remember looking at each other, going, "Wow, really? <laughs> There's actually going to be people lining up." And we we, I think for me, I'm not sure about Ethan. I can't speak for him, but I, I was sort of thinking in my head. Oh, there's not going to be many people want to want to take a photo with us. We 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 knew they don't know who we are. Um, and then when I saw the line of uh, both children and adults lining up to to take photos with us, and obviously Ollie was Ollie was there to take photos, it was surreal. I guess I, I just I couldn't believe it. Um, and that, that's something I, that's something 
um, it, it meant the world to me just to have people be there and think, Christ, I've actually made someone's evening, you know, someone's night. It, 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 was, it was a great feeling. Um, yeah, it, it was very kind of humbling. Like, you know, we consider each other family and, you know, I, I, I go on Facebook the next day and I see all these photos and I'm like, that's so fucking cool. You know, like seeing someone's progression when you're close to them, when you're a friend of theirs, when they're family to you, you know, being able to see that progression. I don't think people understand how much effort and work goes into getting to that point and nobody's worked harder than you have to get to that point. Uh, 2020 was a difficult year for a lot of people, particularly British wrestling. British wrestling got hit harder than anyone else. Not just because of a pandemic and obviously an inability to work. We've seen a small amount of companies. I know you're a big fan of Reach, like I am, obviously. Yes, yeah. They have talents on this podcast. They're doing well with Unit 10. But, you know, other than a few of these shows aside, there hasn't really been much wrestling for the fans to get into. And ultimately, a lot of the passion that our British wrestling fans would have had was ruined, of course, by speaking out. Um a very difficult subject. I'm not going to ask you to delve into it and give me your opinions on wrestlers and things like that. But, you know, Aaron Chris is 18 years old. Young man, impressionable, some might say. Um, and obviously, when you're as good looking as you are, I imagine you're going to be afforded opportunities to meet many ladies down the line. And I'm sure you'll have a great time. And obviously, I'm very thankful that you're a gentleman. And hopefully, you will always look after yourself and the people around you. But Obviously, being 18, now there's so much pressure on you because when Brit Rest does eventually come back, the majority of fans, I've seen at least, and we interact with a lot of fans, as you know, they don't like this business that much anymore. You know, I, I'll give you a good example. Went to my friend's house recently. She lives in a kind of Croydon area. Um, met up with two of her friends, all three of them, huge progress fans, huge British wrestling fans, all three of them, nothing but terrible things to say about wrestling. You know, oh, I've got no time for it anymore. Oh, you know, fuck this guy, fuck that guy. This is shit. This is shit. I've got no interest anymore. Genuinely given up completely and said, when the pandemic ends, I'm not going to go back. So this is unfortunately what's now on the shoulders of you and a select few talents. Obviously, now that we've hopefully filtered out the majority of assholes, you've got now the weight of the business in the sense of you've got to rebuild it. Very much like the guys, the pillars of this industry built up. You remember Jody Fleisch, Johnny Storm, and wrestling just wasn't that cool. And they never had to build something because it was disrespected. They just had to build something because nobody really gave a shit about wrestling for so long, especially once it was taken off the world of sport. Here you are, 18 years old, all that pressure, all that weight. Um, obviously, it's not just on you. And I know you can take it in your stride, but I know for a fact that your personal pride, your ambition, and the fact that you've been raised as a good fucking quality gentleman means that you, frankly, have a real fire inside of you to make sure that people know this is a new generation of wrestlers, respectful to women, respectful to the industry, and also people who want the industry to fucking change for the better. Let's start getting people paid properly. Let's start having fucking separate locker rooms. Let's start having a goddamn union involved in wrestling. And as you know, I'm very vocal about people being paid for their fucking work <laughs> because I don't agree with certain traditions in wrestling. And boo fucking who, if you don't like that, I'm not going to change my opinion to suit you. Not you personally, obviously. So talk to me about it. What's it like? How does speaking out affect an 18-year-old man, so to speak, coming into this industry, hoping that obviously his full, fully-fledged adult years are going to be given to this industry? So for me, it's very much a case, like you said, that we are the new generation of people coming in. We are the, we are 
basically what people can be scrutinising us because of what's happened. And they've got every right to do so. But I, I believe that it, it's, it's down to us to sort of rebuild, as you say, the, the, the from the ashes of whatever happened. So it, it does suck. And I and I've, I've did get a lot... Um, I did feel a lot, a lot of um, anger towards a lot of people during the speaking out movement, specifically the ones that had, that was pretty much, you know, confirmed, you know, you had, well, I don't need to name names, but obviously me and you have spoken privately and you know who I'm on about and, we and like how, mm. yeah, yeah. How upset and how angry I'd, um, I'd been. Uh, but that after, after the sort of initial anger had subsided, it was very much a case of, I've got more passion than ever to prove that not everyone in this industry is like this. Yes, there'll be a few creeps and weirdos that fall through the cracks and you, that's just going to happen. And it's it's about weeding them out and getting rid of them as soon as possible and then rebuilding. It. And I know most people that we've spoken to in British are, are so nice. They're, so, they're such quality people. Um, and it's it's down to people like them to help build this back up. Yeah, I, I mean, from a personal standpoint, obviously, I've offered many opinions on this podcast, which people can check out at their leisure. Um, one of the things that angered me most was the fact of, obviously, you know, first and foremost, it's victimizing people who should never have had to deal with being victimized in any kind of way. Um, after that, of course, it's very much a case of the fact that this business has just had this horrendous head of a snake. I always say, if you want to start from scratch, you need to cut the head off a snake, start again bringing a brand new animal it's as simple as that you don't get away from it by just chopping little bits up and hoping for the best you know you cut a worm in half comes two worms it's as simple as that that's not how you do things kill it start again it's as simple as that um and what frustrated me was the fact that so many of these people who were found to be of a reprehensible nature were individuals who were at the very top of this game and now all of a sudden they have not only were they already kind of stifling opportunities, I would say, for a lot of younger talents like yourself and the new trainees and the new crop of people coming through, which is why somewhere like Reach is so special. Because, you know, it's a case of, yeah, we're going to make sure our homegrown talent gets the opportunities on the same level as the main event. Not every company does that. Let's not fucking fool ourselves. Um, even places that are close to home. So for me, it was very frustrating to know that, great, thanks. Not only have you kind of ruined a lot of, you know, what people have been so passionate about, but also you've taken now opportunities for people to earn money. You're taking food off of people's tables. People like Aaron Cruz are now going to find it twice as difficult to get a fucking booking because of your fucking stupid and reprehensible and disgusting behavior. Um, that's me off my soapbox. Um, but ultimately... 18 years old, you've got a great opportunity and hopefully you've got minimum, you know, 20 years to really carve an incredible career and hopefully we'll have an opportunity to watch that. I look forward to being a miserable, fat old man saying as well, I remember when Aaron Cruz was my tape on. Everyone's like, shut up, you old bastard. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you're still in the, you know, still looking shredded as hell as you like enter 40 and there's me like 78 years old. Like, oh, fucking piece of shit. <laughs> you be my tag partner. It's like, all right, granddad, chill out, mate. I'm going to be that mental old geezer who goes to all the rest of the shows. I look forward to that. Um, 
Let's lighten it up a bit. <laughs> Let's talk about facets of professional wrestling, starting with, of course, intergender wrestling. This is your opportunity to basically gush about all your favorite female wrestlers. I know you <laughs> love women's wrestling as much as I do, not because we're cretinous, because we genuinely believe in the passionate athleticism that these women afford, and I believe that it should be on a level playing field. First of all, very briefly, what are your thoughts on intergender wrestling as a whole? Because a lot of wrestlers who have been on this podcast don't like it at all. I love it personally. I, I think it's brilliant. Um, you're able to, t- it's being able to tell a story, but it's a different story. Uh, like I remember watching a um, documentary. It was Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae. It's on YouTube. Um, I think you just search it up in the documentary and it'll come up. And it, it was brilliant. It was a brilliant watch. And they talk about how they do it and how Candice says that, well, obviously I'm not going to be able to knock down every single man possible with just a punch. Some men, yeah, obviously she could easily do that. But it's more about telling that story of he's got the power advantage. I've got to use my speed and my intelligence to beat him. It's, and I'm not saying that's every match because there's plenty of women that could absolutely wipe the floor with me quite easily. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that, but I, I, I'm saying that it, it's just a different type of story, and it is. It's quite. It's different, and it's quite nice to see uh, something different than the norm. For me, I think it, a lot of it is ingrained in this kind of, you know, as we're seeing toxic masculinity, this this mentality of, you know, oh, men should do this and women should do this. And very much like the old Jeff Jarrett days where he said that, you know, the famous line that he gave to China, where he said, well, women should be barefoot pregnant in the kitchen. And it's like, well, no, not even close. And frankly, disgraceful. And obviously, you know, Vince McMahon's backstage goes, say that shit, it's such good shit. Like, you know, that's, that's Vince. And I've got to get a Vince McMahon impression in doesn't matter what podcast it is um who's the ideal opponent so okay intergender wrestling it's not just about wrestling women it's also about wrestling alongside them working with them so who's the ideal tag team partner and who's the ideal women's opponent in wrestling so for me in terms of tag team partners i'd definitely say um someone like lila carl because i got on with her so well i've trained with her i think we work quite well together We've got a little inside joke and MDS would be she our Adams tag team Incorporated. name. I thought this was your thing. What the hell is that all about? She, she's a manager. Saying, are you saying on this podcast that Ashley Adams could bring a hook? Is that what you're saying? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. <laughs> um, and in terms of opponents, um, for like intergender wrestling, I'm a massive fan of Millie McKenzie. And I know she's she does intergender wrestling. That'd be great. Um, but also someone like um, Echo Reed, who's a similar age to me. Um, and just, I've got such an admiration for her because she's at the similar age to me, but she she's already got like a women's title match. You know, sorry for spoilers for Unit 10 if you haven't seen it. it. But, <laughs> but like, she's she's worked so hard and it's something I admire. And it's, it's a similar thing with um, both Lila Cole and Millie McKenzie as well. They're, they're all people I admire greatly in their work I ethic. I noticed that you didn't mention L.A. Taylor in there, and uh, I know for a fact that you fear L.A. Taylor. Is that correct? <laughs> yes, I, I am very scared of her. <laughs> no, um, Rightfully so, she'll lovely. kick your ass. Uh, <laughs> she seems lovely, but I, I guarantee that she would beat the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've seen what she's doing to the men on that roster. It's frankly terrifying. Um, oh, exactly. 
good burn also a very good example uh, all seriousness of how actually into gender wrestling i have no doubt that in a fight la taylor could whip a many a man's ass so get off your fucking pedestal you cretinous old archaic toss pieces moving on um into gender wrestling aside obviously shout out to lila car by the way is obviously a very good friend of ours and we've got crazy love for her and another person you really should be checking out um who's gonna be a megastar i really believe that what's the uh end game do you have a a current list of things that you would like to do. I know bucket lists are big with wrestlers and a lot of them have immediate goals and then long-term goals. Do you have anything going on like that? Well, I mean, I've, I've got a bucket list sort of, of places I want to wrestle. Like, I'd love to go and wrestle in Canada, Germany, Japan, Australia, New Zealand. Like, I, I'd love to go and wrestle pretty much everywhere. Um, that's this in my bucket list, going to tick them off as I go along. But um, another thing I've always... I've, I'm quite big on tattoos. I ain't got any yet, but I'm going to be getting some. I quite like the idea of it. So I was going to get a tattoo of uh, it. So every place I wrestle, every country I wrestle, and I'm going to get a tattoo of so- in that country of something from that country yeah. and chuck that on my leg somewhere. I thought that would be pretty cool for a little thing for me. Um, but in, in terms of like goals, I think when I first started training, it was always WWE. Always, always WWE. Um, I think that's the same with pretty much everyone. Um well, not everyone, but I think a lot of people sort of see that. Uh, but for me now, after watching a lot of independent stuff, I mean, short term, I'd, I'd love to be doing everything in terms of like progress, ICW, um, Rev Pro. I'd love to wrestle for all them companies. Um, and I'd love to wrestle for New Japan. That's that's somewhere I would adore going. I really, really want to go to um, New Japan. Uh, but if you were to offer me between someone in the big the big terms you've got AEW and wwe i definitely nxt uk is probably the um in terms of those two companies it's definitely somewhere I, i'm shooting for that's something i'd somewhere i'd love to be i always love asking people um as people know this isn't really an interview it's a conversation you know we're very different to a lot of podcasts i pride myself on that if you're looking for boring parkinson shit then fuck off elsewhere um so there's dream opponents but then there's the practical reality of who you could actually wrestle who's a dream opponent as well so let's start with the practical guys guys that you know guys and girls that are obviously now you've obviously mentioned you'd like to wrestle like the car but you must have other people you know who you would like to have a match with if i said to you right next year obviously pandemic fucks off finally we can get back to training hard doing shows working on those smaller great independent shows because they're the bread and butter of what we do and what we're passionate about obviously fpw WCWP, so many come to mind. Who is the immediate opponents you would like to see? If promoter comes up to you and says, "Do you know what, Mister Cruz? You've done a lot in this business already at such a young age. Who'd you like to wrestle today?" You already know that I'd love to wrestle, obviously yourself and Cameron Anderson. We uh, Fuck is <laughs> I know, Get on I know. We we've we've spoken about that many times, but in terms yeah. like other, other a promoter wrestling... isn't scared enough to book us. That's <laughs> basically what it is. I'm just calling you in out terms... right now, especially CWP <laughs> Robbie Nitro. You've heard where's our tag team top shot? By the way, I was promised that the trophy hunters were going to get a look in, and now nah, apparently it's just it's Robbie Nitro and Roderick the rambunctious just clogging up the field, you know, and there's fresh new talent who could take over and run this tag team division. So maybe pull your heads out of your asses <laughs> and book the trophy hunters. Or are you just scared, frankly, of getting your asses whipped and being taken right back to the stone age? It's as simple as that, really. Um, anyway, <laughs> tangent completed. 
uh yeah other than myself obviously um because you know i cannot wait to whoop your ass <laughs> and then we'll put it aside and hopefully finally get our tag team run going uh who else because i know there's 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 some man crushes going on i've seen it on instagram i've seen that um that gorgeous young man who went to the black and brave academy tyler he's uh He's gunning for you. I know you two want to wrestle each other. Come on in, spill it. Let's, yeah, let's, so, let's so, man crushes. so people like Ale- Alexander Murdoch, who you mentioned, um, yeah. Ebenezer the Geezer, I'd love to Very face. Fit, um, yeah. uh, Joey Seven is another one that I'd like, lo- another guy that I'd love to face. He's, Again, very I think he's fit, phenomenal. Yeah. Exactly. Very good looking man. Crikey. Mm. Jordan Sparks and Lucky, I've got a bit, obviously, you know, I'm a massive fan of Reach, so I'm going to be naming people like Sort. That. <laughs> <laughs> sorry jordan uh, he's like hey man <laughs> oh very i've noticed this Cruz has definitely got a type hasn't he some very good you, you've got a good uh good taste in men i just like to say oh, thank you very much yeah we're, we're equal opportunists here i'll tell you but yeah that they're, they're sort of the they're sort of like the top of my list in terms of guys that uh that i'd love to face that are sort of in the brit rest scene what about dream opponents? Is, is Matt Seidel a dream? It must be. You oh. must think. Oh, yeah. I've got to wrestle Matt Seidel. And I think it's actually oh, yeah. something that's plausible. Now, you know, I'm looking at his condition now. He must have at least five to ten more years in him, which means that Cruz is going to have every opportunity with your trajectory and the work you're putting in to wrestle him. Um, where would you like to wrestle Matt Seidel? Is there like a dream scenario? Tokyo Dome, Corican Hall, maybe, you know, on your own soil, you know, in your backyard, getting a wrestle with Fratton Park? <laughs> To be fair, anywhere anyone would book me to face Matt Seidel, I'd just be straight on it. I'm, I don't really, I'm not really fast too fast. All right, we'll happens. book it in my back garden, mate. That was storage. <laughs> versus Aaron Cruz. Yep. But um, our other dream opponents, I'd definitely say, obviously, you know, I'm a massive Finn Balor fan. Um, so Finn Balor would definitely be up there. The North as a tag team, I'd oh. love to face. Oh, um, Okada, um Oh, we think uh, the uh, the undisputed era, the Red Dragon Boys, uh, Bobby Fish and Carlo Riley, um, Kip Sabian. You know, I'm a massive Kip Sabian. I was waiting fan. for that. I was like, "What's <laughs> Kip Sabian going to get a mention?" Of? <clears throat> Do you see um, yourself wearing leggings like Kip Sabian does? Maybe. Who's going to be? I'll go for the crop top first. Is it? Well, absolutely. Yeah, I, you've got to be really fit to pull off a crop top as a geese. I'm just saying, you know, that's got nothing to do with any kind of like gender appropriation. It's just, you know, you've got to look good. You've got like, if I come out wearing a crop top, it's a lot like Peter Griffin where he's wearing Daisy Dukes. That ain't a nice sight for anybody. Um, what about, here's a random question for you. Who's your Penelope Ford? Who do you see being your Penelope Ford in the future? Who would you love to? Ooh. Not necessarily just from a relationship standpoint, because obviously you've got plenty of time to grow into that nonsense. But if you have an opportunity to have a female valet, a female manager, somebody who's a sidekick long term, who's that going to be? Ashley Adams is, of course, listening to this. Oh, podcast. genuinely. <laughs> I genuinely don't know. Obviously, um, I have had Ashley Adams when she was because she's been injured come out um before for the showcases yeah, in, um, to do. Oh, she's she's phenomenal. Yeah, great really talker, nice. absolutely nice. great talker. Yeah, she honestly the the way she can draw heat from a crowd is <laughs> brilliant. I was so glad I had her there, especially in my first proper like heel match, like me being heel throughout the whole match. It was um, comfortable as well. There must be a certain comfort because um, you know, for instance, Steve Love, who obviously was at ringside for Carl Atlas for quite a few matches and things like that. There's a comfort there as well. It's an opportunity to be able to kind of, you know, if you're sort of maybe struggling in a match, maybe you miss a move, whatever you can look to ringside, know that you've got a friend there, know that there's somebody there who can help 
distract the audience but also put in more work help create even more theater for that audience and that's really important people really don't appreciate just how hard it is to be a good valet be a good worker Ebenezer the geezer I see being one of the all-time great valets when he kind of branches away because I know he's a, a very character-based guy I'm so excited to see what he can do from a management standpoint as well yeah, I mean that that's something I've always loved. I mean, I remember when I first, I got my first wrestling game, I think it was SmackDown versus Raw 2010 on the Wii. And <laughs> don't know why it was the Wii, but it was. Um and I'd go on there and I'd make myself on there and then I'd make uh, either a female valet because I, I loved the idea. I'd I'd just sort of started seeing the old school sort of WWF with Savage and Miss. Elizabeth and I love that um but I'm also a massive fan of um Paul Heyman and the way he he works as a manager mm. so I I also would go on there and create just a guy in a suit and have him be like the businessman you know sort of something like Selena Vega was doing with Andrade stuff like that it's, it's always been a dynamic I've loved yeah we um sorry uh for ladies and gentlemen Aaron Cruz is in there just went slightly scatty there he was mentioning um Randy Savage and <laughs> Elizabeth um which is obviously the cream of the crop let's not forget Sherry Martel when she was manager for Randy Savage as well rest her soul truly incredible if you can't learn something from watching Sherry Martel and you're a female valet you're doing something wrong in this business right Aaron Cruz multiple choice time cats or dogs I'm gonna say dogs I mean I've I've got a cat He's an arsehole. Yeah, really. <laughs> he, re- he really doesn't like me. What a um, heel. What's his name? Uh, cat? Badge. Ba- badge. Even sounds like a geezer <laughs> badge on his side. What you fucking looking at? Badge is going to fucking rough you up, isn't it, bro? <laughs> he's one of those cats. He just he sits on people's cars and then people come out and they're like, excuse me, can you get off my car? He's like, fuck off, love. <laughs> he's got that look about him. I love him. Try and touch him, he'll go for your hands. Honestly, yeah, he's uh... he likes me though, but that's because I'm just he does. He's, he's a heel cat. He's ultimately the Bobby of the Brain Heenan to your gorilla monsoon, mate. That's what he is. Um, there's a reference that all the kids will get. Um, and if you don't get that reference, get the fuck out of here. So, okay, we're gonna we're gonna make some of these hard hitting, mate. So, you know, you aren't gonna be able to hide. And I know that you aren't just a fan of WrestlePlug. I know you listen to other podcasts. Not, you know, high-end professional ones. No, he goes for our competition. That's what he does. So is it wrestling with Jonas or is it WrestlePlug? Well, seeing as I'm on the WrestlePlug, I can't say wrestling with Jonas. Can I? I've got I to say wrestling. I will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to back my brother. Uh, Wrestling with Jonas, of course, is actually a very good podcast, to be fair. I, I kid, but uh, great interviews, constantly getting interviews. We're more about reviews and stuff, but we get some interviews too. We get some good stars. We had the NWA television champion off, just saying. So, <sighs> Game of Thrones or Walking Dead? Let's test your TV knowledge. I haven't seen a single episode of Game of Thrones, so I'm going to have to go Walking Dead. Yes! <laughs> I'll take that. It's the cheapest win you'll ever get, but I'll take it. That was basically a win by the complication, but I don't care. Pretty much. Walking Dead for the win, or the last two series suck, I'm just saying. Come at me. Uh, Come at me. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Marvel or DC? I know you're a big fan of your superheroes. Marvel pretty much is, is my thing. I, I love Marvel, but if you're just talking about solely Batman, I, could, I would have said Batman. Oh, I love Batman. It's all about a joke of you, isn't it? And obviously, mm. uh, some people might not realise as well, one of those great showcases, the Halloween showcase, you got an opportunity to uh, come out. You kind of, I know Finn Balor's a big inspiration of yours, and you went for the whole face paint gimmick and came out as the Joker, very similar to what he had yep. done. A good job as well. There you go. It's right on the screen for you. Um, 
<laughs> I love doing that. That's just me showing off. Um, yeah, that, that was that was brilliant. That we had, um, I believe, I can't remember what his gimmick name is for life me now. Um, but uh, a fella called Steve who oh, does Mr. Mr. Mina. Mr. Mina. Um, I was backstage. I had I had some cheap paint, so I was going to try and do it uh, last minute. And he he just got last minute went. Hold up, you can use some of my paints. I'll even do your face for you because he, he'd already had his match. So he, he just he used his paints, um, made the look, and it was phenomenal. Can't thank him enough for that. Is that, that misdemeanor or freak show? Well, seeing as I know misdemeanor personally, I'm going to go with misdemeanor. I've never met. Smart I don't choice. think I've actually seen any of his matches. You haven't I've seen, seen my match with Freak Show. What the hell? No. Did you get it recorded? Because I haven't seen yes. the recording of it. Hey, shameful. Hey, he's absolutely call yourself a best friend. Haven't even seen me lose, uh, beat, should I say. You haven't even seen me beat Freak Show by disqualification. It's terrible. You'd have to send it to me. I haven't seen it. Get me near with a chair, the bastard. Uh, <laughs> fair play, by the way. Freak Show, one of, one of the coolest guys in all of wrestling. Really cool. But obviously, I'd expect it a bit misdemeanor because he looks like he could lift a truck over his head. Um, <laughs> and uh, he's also lovely. He's lovely, really. But yeah, he's he, lovely, yeah. But he will rip your intestines out. Uh, <laughs> he's a horror clown what do you expect he, do you know what I'd love to see Mr. Mina in Triple A you know in Mexico where they got that clown division yes, clown, yes, yes 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 so, so good in there I'd love to see him do that lovely crossover let's have Psycho Clown versus Mr. Mina are you a monster <laughs> energy man or a relentless man I'm a monster energy man I had before my match with Carl I actually had three and a half monster ultras to white cans um, through the course hell. of the day <laughs> I so- felt like Oh man, I felt like if I take a bump, it's all gonna come out. <laughs> you know, you see, like wrestlers aren't gonna give a shit about that. But if your mum watches this back, she's like, "What? Three and a half? That's it. Only water him for weeks now. I'm gonna take all your coke cans away from you." Aim <laughs> for that boy. He's mental enough. Um, yeah, keep it. Stick to the Tropicana, mate. You'll be fine. Um, I thought you end up looking like me, and that is not a good thing. Now then, although the doctor can certainly prescribe him some caffeine, that's for sure. Um, there's a fucking reference nobody will get. Aurora or Echo Reed? Ooh, that's a tough one. I'm gonna. I have to go with uh, Echo Reed. Um, purely based on, not not because Aurora's not great. Aurora's phenomenal. She'll be a superstar. Backhead. But, um, <laughs> but um, he's fucking ass, Aurora. <laughs> but. Um, it's mainly mainly due to her being a similar age to me and getting, like I said earlier, like she's gotten to where she is. It, it's quite an inspiration for myself. Yeah, you two have a similar trajectory, which I think is very cool. Similar ages, similar kind of paths. And here's one that will strike close to home. Is it Rishi or is it Raj? Ooh. Again, due to the, the length of time I've known him, I'll have to say Rishi. Purely based on the on the time I've known him and the amount of influence he's had on me. Right. Uh, we're going to get away from multiple choice. I just want to ask you some random questions because you're 18 yeah, sure. years old. And I imagine a lot of people listen to similar age to you. I know a lot of the younger graduates, you know, guys and girls who, or, you know, boys and girls, however you want to put it, who train at different places are going to watch this. And they're going to be inspired by someone who's as young as you. But they also want to know what it's like for you outside of things. So uh, what's your favourite Call of Duty? My favourite Call of Duty is probably Black Ops 2. Still, um, second one I played. I think I played Black Ops One first, and then I sort of stopped. Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I I'm think an old man, I, so I like all that V in the me shit. 
No, I like all the Vietnamese war and stuff like that. What's um? Th- are you a, a FIFA or a Pez man? FIFA. Oh, I'm all FIFA. I mean, I haven't played a FIFA since eighteen. I, I don't tend to buy them every year. I, I can't be bothered. But that's smart business, to be honest, because I don't like FIFA at all. I think it's a bit trashy. I, I'm, I'm more of a Pez man, if I'm being honest. Um, I've never played Pez. Uh, Pez is for people who actually respect the game of football. <clears throat> but as a Pompey fan, I wouldn't expect you to know anything about that. <laughs> um, not really big on football, are you? So there's no point asking questions. No, no. That'd be a waste of time. Here's a good one for you. Imperium or Undisputed Era? Oh, no, don't do this. <laughs> you know they're my two favourites. <laughs> Volta is definitely not watching. <laughs> <laughs> As much as I love um, Undisputed Era and I'm wearing their shirt right now, I'm going to go with Imperium just because they're on NXT UK and that's the main thing I watch. So You do like NXT UK as well, don't you? How does it, yeah. um, how does it feel for you watching that? Because a lot of people have just shit-canned that based on what happened in Speaking Out. But let's be honest, there's an incredible women's division. You've got Ginny's, I, Brooks, Side, Kaylee Ray, world-class women's talents. And of course, women aren't the fucking problem here. Men are. Um, but you know, there's some great talent on there, and a lot of the men who are working on there, uh, a couple of names aside, are genuinely world class and good human beings, at least as far as we know. Obviously, I can't say for definite. I'm not here to make clarifications on people's personalities. But for you, you're passionate about NXT UK, and I imagine that's somewhere you'd like to make a stopover at if you start becoming successful. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, I'm very much of the opinion that yes, there's still a few individuals that shouldn't be on there i'm not going to name names you know who they are they should they sh- probably shouldn't be on there um due to allegations made and there's never really been an end to that uh so but i, I i'm of the opinion where you you shouldn't paint everyone with the same brush oh, i don't think it's fair on all the talent to just shit can the whole thing like i'm a huge fan of mark andrews flash morgan webster kaylee ray i'm a massive fan of kaylee ray um pretty deadly um, Aaliyah James, who's just um, just hopped on there, like all, all these people don't I don't believe deserve to have uh, uh, to, for not to be seen because yeah. of a few wrongs that have been on there. It's um, it, it's it's very much a case of if anyone is still on the fence about it, give it a watch. It's good if you, if there's anyone on there that you don't want to watch, you can skip that match because it is obviously on the network. You can skip through the match, but. Everybody has a right to turn up, same as this podcast. If you don't like it, you can turn it off. Like You have a choice as to whether you want to watch or listen to anything. And I always say that the stupidity of the few should not outweigh the brilliance of the many. So that's your philosophical term for the day. Um, Not much else I really want to ask you, mate, to be honest, in terms of uh, multiple choice. But obviously... We are on social media, as everybody knows. But we know that Aaron Cruz is on social media. People will want to follow you after this. People will want to take a look at all your sexy OnlyFans picks that you're no doubt going to drop <laughs> soon when times get hard. Uh, <laughs> hey, we've all got to make a living. Um, where can people, and especially your amazing fans, find Aaron Cruz on social media? I am at Aaron Cruz PW on Instagram and Twitter. And my Facebook page is Aaron Cruz uh, Pro Wrestler, I think. Yeah, I think it's uh, PW on there as well, isn't it? Might, it might be PW Aaron on there. I've tried to... PW? Hi, yeah, I think I've... Yeah, I've tried to make it all, like, the same across everything, really. Sensible. That's there, there you go. He's 18 and he knows. A uh, little note to all you wrestlers out there. Get all your social media names the same, for fuck's sake. Because... <laughs> 
yeah it's it's just so much easier for people to find you um quickly before i let you go would you like to be on you are cordially invited to oh yes 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 you know i'm a huge fan of that show Obviously, I've, that to you. I've just realized matt kurt isn't going to be able to unless he can speak to us from beyond the grave um ultimately he's not going to be able to speak to us which is very disappointing but he's social media manager he's keeping up appearances are you worried that you might get killed off if you go on to uh, cordially invited to i mean not really uh, if, if it's if that's my time it's my time you know <laughs> if it's my very morbid way to end the podcast <laughs> you're 18 years old right <clears throat> mate i'm 35 and i don't think i'll get this far so fair enough so yeah but yeah if you need somebody to work behind the bar when session moth's in the house give me a call give me a call mr crowley i'm ready put me in brah i'm ready for the team Obviously, that's where people can get you. Uh, we'll try and put those on the screen if you're watching this on YouTube. And obviously, if it's audio, make sure you write it down. We'll have it in the description of this podcast as well on audio, video. doesn't matter where. You'll be able to find him, no problem. But obviously, social media links are on the screen right now. So make sure you go and follow those. Aaron Cruz, uh, I think we're going to get you back for part two. Is there anything you'd like to say to the fans, ultimately? Because so many people have been amazing and supporting you and following you. And rightfully so. You're a very talented young man. Um, one last thing you want to drop for your fan base and also for people who are hopefully going to be Aaron Cruz fans in the future. Uh, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's um, tuned in this podcast and supported me over um, my two years of training. Um, it means the world because no one ever has to. And the fact that people care enough to even just hit a follow or just, just to watch my match and not get up and go to the toilet is, is lovely. Um, so thank you very much. That's why I'm on cards at the end of the day, mate, because when people need a shit, they need a shit. Um, <laughs> simple as that. Ah, self-denigration is the way forward. Um, but yeah, I mean, that alone is exactly why you should be following this young man, because ultimately, not only is he my baby brother, but he's also a world-class talent in his own right, ladies and gentlemen. And come on, how many 18-year-olds can speak with that kind of eloquence and maturity? Not many. I can tell you I certainly wasn't when I was that age. Um, Aaron Cruz, finally, you've been on the Wrestle Plug. Hopefully, this will be the take that you appreciate enough to go out there because he's so oh, so damn picky such a diva um but it's been an absolute pleasure mate thank you for coming on the wrestle plug and obviously humoring your good friend Aaron nix thank you so much for having me on it was a pleasure honestly can't wait to do another one has been awesome once again ladies and gentlemen check out the social media links obviously follow wrestle plug and all that but most importantly follow the wrestlers they're the people who entertain you the most we can get by by looking after these people and hopefully giving them an opportunity and obviously to aaron cruz's training partners his friends some of them of which i know personally you're all welcome on the podcast all you got to do is drop us a message at wrestle plug but most importantly ladies and gentlemen make sure you follow aaron cruz and of course if you get an opportunity follow ethan lee as well who hopefully will get you on as a pair at some point the flying aces so you can talk about what you guys want to be we need to have more tag teams at the wrestle plug thank you very much for watching this thank you very much to aaron cruz of course for joining me say goodbye aaron bye thank you for having me on it's great thank you <laughs>